Welcome to Slammed, a Boston Celtics podcast brought to you by Odyssey. I'm Megan Adelini from WEI, joined by Esteban Bustios from GBH and Justin Turpin, also of WEI and Odyssey. So I'm going to start off the pod today by sparing Esteban's feelings. We'll get to the, our resident Texan, a check-in yeah. on his overall well-being, a wellness chest check, if you will, uh, at the very end of the pod. But the Celtics come off a pretty commanding performance without two of their starters over the San Antonio Spurs. If if you're just joining us for the first time here, Esteban is a uh, native Texan and grew up a big Spurs fan. So mm. a, a tough beat for him. And to make matters worse, for those of us who are transplants, even though I've been here for 12 years, this is the first, I think the first week of weather that we've had in Boston this season where it's been steadily like in the twenties maxed out every single day for a whole week so far, we're recording this on a Thursday. So it's really just a reality check for many of us. Yeah. I've gotten used to it at this point. Uh, And I, I, I noticed this when I think yesterday I went out and it was like, oh, it's, it's not that cold in the morning, even though it was like 25 degrees because it was 15 degrees an hour and a half earlier. So it, it's all relative. Um, cold night for the Spurs. I think that was expected. Uh, they're they're a, like a, a, a fun, bad team, but still a, a team that is not there. So it, it made sense last night's uh, last night's result. Justin, you're from here, right? Like you're, yeah, you're, yeah, Braintree, born, born and raised. raised. Yeah, Braintree, nice for those not super familiar with Boston, just south of the city. Um, I'll never get used to it. Like I said, I've been here for 12 years. Uh, every time that this part of winter comes around, because December is, especially these days, is usually like an acclimation period. Um, when I have to put on mittens and the scarf around, I'm a big like scarf around the nose person. Like I do the whole shebang. It's not about looking good anymore, but it's to me, it's still a bit of a reality check. Um, Let's look ahead. Another, as we're on our cold weather city rant, another cold Mm. weather city coming to town, the Nuggets, the reigning champs um, visiting Boston on Friday. And I think that should be our jumping off point for our big topic today because Obviously, the first time that the Celtics get to see them this season, they'll see them again on March 7th, I believe it is, and that will be on the road. They'll be seeing them at home. And for me, I'm just going to say there are so many implications with what this game can mean for the development of your team and looking towards your championship hopes and the opportunity to see the team that was just there And Jokic, who is, in my book, the best player in the league and the true unicorn in the league. Yeah. But my eye for this game is really on Jason Tatum. Because I think quietly Tatum is going through kind of a strange period with this season. He's having a fantastic season overall. But his stats, points per game are down 27 per game compared to last year's 30. He's more efficient. Uh, Two days ago, the MVP ladder. So the Kia MVP NBA uh, MVP ladder came out. Tatum, for the second time in a row, is sixth. 
It's not even in the top five. Right now, it's Embiid, Jokic, SGA, Luka, Giannis. Tatum is sixth. And I, I guess, like, I don't expect this season for Tatum to be obsessed with the MVP race. You know, he's going to get his Supermax contract from the Celtics. Obviously, their goal is a championship this year. But that that still surprises me. And it doesn't surprise me that SGA is in there. We've had a whole conversation about how slept yeah. on OKC is. But I look at this game, the opportunity. You look at what the Sixers just did against the Nuggets earlier this week, beating them 126-121. And Beads got over 40 points. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think he has a serious contention for MVP because he's going to miss time because he's Embiid and they have the new rules in place. But it's just, it's, it's one of these big stages that I expect Jason Tatum is focused on, not in a selfish way, but it can't feel great that for the second time in a row, you're sixth in NBA MVP voting for where he is in his career right now. Yeah. Didn't he have that quote a, a couple of weeks ago where he said, I'm really not concerned about the MVP. I I want a championship. Uh, I, I believe that was a quote he had, which makes sense. At the same time. And uh, MVP voters were like, cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we won't vote for you anymore. <laughs> at, at the same time, how much of that is just a, uh, a byproduct of you have more talent now on the Celtics than I think it's fair to say he's ever had. Uh, maybe you look back at the that first year where Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, but I think it's given the results that this team has, this is the most talented team he's had. Um, so some of those stats just naturally go down. It, 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 do you think that's fair to say? Absolutely. We heard guys and we've heard guys talk about sacrifice throughout the season. We heard guys at the beginning of the season when you get the addition of Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis that there is going to be sacrifice in terms of the shots that you're taking, you know, your opportunities per game. To be honest, I just didn't think when when everybody was talking about sacrifice, I was like, yeah, except for Jason Tatum, because he is supposed to be your alpha on the floor and he's supposed to be your leader on the floor. And I'm not saying that because he's got 27 per game that he's not a leader. Like, I don't want it to spun that way. I just, I think it's, it's really just a, a quietly interesting thing to me when you see the way that the beginning of the week was with, uh, I believe it was Tuesday with Sixers and Nuggets. And you see them, it's, it's billed as the matchup between Embiid and Jokic and these two bigs and, these two massive forces, two of the most recent MVPs in the season. And I really do feel like on a national scale, when Denver is seeing Boston, it's like, well, Denver is seeing Boston, which is the best team in the league, the best starting five. And yeah. that 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 is, I think, a better narrative to have around your team. Don't get me wrong. But it does it, it is different. It does seem to put Tatum in a different place than a lot of these other stars in the league. Yeah. Uh, Justin, I mean, you, you, you're you obviously around the team on a, on a day-to-day basis. Have you noticed Tatum taking, uh, I don't know, a different stance than maybe he's had to in the past, given what, what's around him? Yeah, I think he has. I think he's actually improved a lot as a passer, too. His playmaking has really improved. And that's naturally going to happen when you have 
potentially five all-star candidates on your team. I mean, that's just naturally going to happen like you alluded to. And same with the points. Those are going to drop off too when you're surrounded by that many scores. But he's definitely kind of adjusted his approach. And I actually have that quote you were alluding to. I've accomplished a lot in this league and, uh, you know, truly at the point where, uh, you know, I want to get over that hump. I want to get back to the finals. I want to help us win a championship. And, uh, you know, what I'm doing may not, you know, I might not win MVP, but, uh, you know, just trying to help us continue to be the best team in the league uh, and, you know, do my part. If people recognize that, they see it, then, you know, I appreciate it. But uh, if they don't, then, you know, that's okay. And he's really embraced that. And they've all, it's kind of cheesy. They've been throwing out the word sacrifice, but it's really, it's easier said than done, especially in today's NBA, where a lot of these guys focus on the personal accolades, but they put that aside and they're really focused on, sacrificing doing what's best for the team and that's what tatum's done and it's led to a different approach by him it is also funny to, to hear sacrifice in association with a guy who has his own shoe with the jordan is averaging like most nba players would kill to get 27 a game you know um one of, even even if he's not going to be mvp uh this year just based on on these early results still one of the faces of the league so uh sacrifice is relative in this case i think Oh, definitely. And look, I mock the sacrifice thing. Like, I, yeah. I think it is. I think if anybody's sacrificing right now on this team, it really is Drew Holiday. Uh, and that, part Horford. of that is also right. Well, yeah. And part, part, part of that, that is also is also where they are in their careers. You know, it's like, right. OK, this is this is what is serving them. Uh, guys can sacrifice when it's also serving their careers and serving the team. Um, but it are you looking at this matchup in any sense of how this team looks prepared for a finals run? Cause again, it's when you, when they see these Western conference serious contenders and, mm. and we saw a little bit of this when they had that overall really good West coast road trip in December. Um, how much are you gauging what they do on Friday for where they're going to be poised to be hopefully at the end of the postseason? I, I I mean I'm sure at least what they will say publicly in terms of Joe Missoula, et cetera, is oh, this is just another game. And it is a January Friday night game. How much can you take away from it? Still, it is the defending champs. You want to play your best against the best. I I can't see how you don't look at this as this could be a finals matchup. Let's see what let's see what you got. You know what I mean? Uh, so I personally, I, I think the answer is yes. Like you, you do have to take this as this is a, a test for the team, and especially also to uh, with with a team that has so few losses. At least some of those big ones have come to have come against the the big names from the West, and you know I don't know how how much to take that. It, it you know every every night is different, but lost OKC, a loss to to Minnesota. Here's probably the other big dog you would call call them outside uh, out from the west. How, how do you do against them? So I I would say it's uh it's a it's one of the bigger matchups to have this year. All right, do you guys want to head into take flight because we got some news yesterday and it has uh well we can debate the implications but let's go into it because there's not a whole lot more we can say about the Nuggets until they actually play them uh, yeah. as much as we're looking forward to it. Our first serving in take flight is the trade of Pascal Siakam, uh, Spicy P. 
He's the Pacers spicy pea now. I don't know how spicy you get in Indiana, but he's going to bring the spice to the Midwest. Uh, In this trade, Toronto gets Bruce Brown, uh, Jordan, Nora, and am I saying that? Nora? Nora. 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 And uh, three first round picks. We also had New New Orleans getting in the mix there. Uh, Technically a three team trade, but. The focus really is on Siakam now with the Pacers and the Pacers. I don't know why they have to be on every episode of our podcast. As yeah. I said before, like the Pacers uh, have been given the bucks fits. Uh, they obviously knocked you out of the in season tournament. Do you guys see this as the recipe for a possible spoiler for the Celtics or any of these other serious contenders in the East. Cause I, I'm not putting the Pacers down as a serious contender, but I think we're all still a little shell shocked after what we saw Miami do last year. And you see a team uh, now where Halliburton is being joined by Siakam who has serious playoff credentials. And do you see that as a spoiler candidate as we look forward to the playoffs? Uh, I, I guess, you know, before we get into that, uh, was this Shams or Woj who broke it? The, the, I think it was, was Woj right? I think it was, it was a Woj, Woj bomb. Yeah. yeah. So on, on on a Woj bomb scale, like one being a firecracker, ten being Oppenheimer. What? How much of, of a Woj bomb was this? I didn't see Oppenheimer. Uh, I, I was like, <laughs> I only I only have room for one incredibly long movie from you know a well known director, and so I went with uh, Killers of the Flower Moon because I like that book. Fair enough. So. <laughs> You know, I feel like if we're going like one to 10, it's a four. I don't mm. know. Like I more, I'm just annoyed that the Pacers are such a big part of my life right now. Like It really has gone yeah. beyond a bit where I think right. um, like I think that they can be disruptive early in the playoffs. But it's to me, it still feels like a problem for other teams. Like I, I still think that this team in any circumstances should be able to handle the Pacers unless there's some, you know, horrible, I don't know, like the, the floor caves in at the hour back center and three of your starters are out for the entire playoffs, you know, yeah. like it would have to be something crazy. I think to have real implications for you. And the I, floor I am... in is a real possibility. There's a leak at the Arbach Center right now in the roof. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, so floor, it's not a leak. It's not like so a leak not a, that goes a... to Seth Wickersham. No, not one of those leaks. But there's an actual leak. Wait, what do you mean? Like, it's a plumbing leak? There's like a it's there's like a water coming out of the ceiling. There was last time I was there. Yeah, right on the court, like right on mid court. They had like a bunch Gross. of towels spread out. Yeah. So there goes Derek White's max contract because Wick's gonna have to fix the ceiling instead. Wick's gotta like <laughs> clean out the gutters or something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Um, I will say looking at because i think the pacers are seventh in the east right now as a recording of this i do see them just given the talent that they have uh, as a team that can maybe hop up past the knicks uh I, I think they're yeah just about one game behind them right now to take that fifth spot and i, I think in general they're a team who even I, I was even thinking of this during the in-season tournament is you don't want to have them in the first round because you'll, you'll probably be comfortable. They're feeling confident about themselves. They have obvious talents with Tyrese Halliburton. Miles Turner is great. 
I think now that front court with Miles Turner and Pascal Siakam is gonna be real, really fun to watch. Not to mention any pick and rolls you do with Halliburton and Siakam. So I, I think they are going to be a potential spoiler uh, for a first round team, even or even maybe more dangerous if they stay at the spot they're at now, relatively, and they 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 play a higher seed. Uh, could get could be a team that upsets somebody. Justin, you got anything to add on that? Besides yeah. uh, your reports on your reports on the structural integrity of the Auerbach Center, that's the important stuff. But uh, yeah, I think I agree with Esmond. I think these guys can really jump up to the four seed. I can see them passing Cleveland with all the injuries they've been dealing with this year, and that team's pretty good. So I can see them definitely playing spoiler. But in terms of the Celtics, like the roster you have, you should be able to handle these guys. I know the problem is they're going to play fast, but the problem is they don't also don't play a lot of defense. So as long as you play defense, like the Celtics have and you continue to shoot, they're, they're going to have no answer because they're just not a good defensive team. Yeah. Uh, it, we we didn't talk about this when it happens, but now given everything that's happened with Toronto, how do you grade the OG and Anubi trade, knowing this, that now uh, that that uh, Siakam has, has left Toronto? So I think it's a, a little bit of a delayed reaction to some of the stuff that they – have been going through over the past couple of seasons and being in purgatory. I think it's probably the right move, the direction that they're going in for the franchise overall. I still like that for the Knicks. Um, as you alluded to before, the Knicks are like perfectly in the area where they're, they're just like quietly like, middle class of the Eastern conference where I think that they're a team that I'm a little bit more suspicious of that. I have more of an eye on than the Pacers. And maybe that's just because I'm sick of talking about the Pacers every week. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 it is, both of these are fascinating. I, I am just more fascinated, but I, I think, it, what did we say? Three first round picks uh, yeah. for Siakam. That's, I mean, I know he's good, but no, it's that, a haul. That's that's a that's a lot. That's not an insignificant amount. Uh, so I'm I'm really interested. And giving up Bruce Brown too, who last year in the finals played a critical role for Denver. He's a really good uh, player, Boston area guy, Dorchester so, guy, Dorchester. So uh, yeah, I I am I understand why Indiana made that trade, but that's a lot to give up. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. Our second serving and take flight. Uh, we are officially at the halfway point of the regular season. So just, I guess, doing our own little wellness check on the Celtics team. They have a record of 32 and nine, uh, top of the Eastern Conference. I think still the best team in the NBA, uh, the championship favorite. And I don't have, I, I, I honestly, I'm sorry to say, like, I just don't have a lot of complaints with where the team is right now. I'm sorry to say that because it's not a very, uh, hot take to throw out there. I, I I just am keeping an eye on like everybody else, the health of Kristaps Porzingis. I think that's going to be the biggest determinator of, uh, of where your team goes in the postseason. What I really like about this team that I think is different than last year's team is first of all, I have to say like Joe Missoula overall just seems like a different guy. Uh, I, I think that he's grown a lot in this role, even, you know, beyond the timeouts and the press conferences and a lot of the things that we tend to focus on uh, as media people. I think his 
his emphasis on defense with this team and his ability to have the message resonate with every level of the players, whether it's guys who are uh, ninth and 10th on the bench or Jason and Jalen, I think it is very real. And part of that may just be the, the success that they're having early in the season, halfway through the season. And we'll see how much that keeps up because it certainly fell off a little bit after the all-star break last year. But I, I just see them as a, an incredibly healthy team. I don't even mean in terms of how much time they're spending in the training room, but healthy in their chemistry, healthy in their habits. Um, and aside from even giving up a lousy third quarter to the Spurs last night, it's like that, that that's really the only nit, nitpick that I can find with this team. Yeah, I think what, what you just said, Meg, is probably the the most important thing is their chemistry, their vibes on this team are just off the charts. Uh, that picture that I think they took when they were leaving Toronto in the in the plane together. It's that's like a small thing, but that's not it something like that a, happens. it was. It was like a college team. Yeah, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah, like they genuinely seem to all really like each other, which, as we know, with this iteration of the Celtics, hasn't always been the case. Uh, for better, for for worse. So yeah, I I don't know how many other teams can say that they're. They're at that level of comfort uh, with with each other. I don't know, Justin. What 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 are you? What have you seen just in terms of where they are right now? Yeah, in terms of where they are right now. Back to Megan's point about the defense. I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown deserve a lot of credit for that as well. I know it's really been spearheaded by Missoula, but Jalen Brown came out right after Game Seven last year and said, "We got away from our defense. We need to hang our hats on the defensive end." And they've done it. They have the number two defensive rating in the league, and they've done a great job. They've held their opponents under 100 points in back-to-back games. Granted, it was against the Raptors and Spurs. That's still impressive in today's NBA. And in terms of just the chemistry, I actually talked to Delano Banton about it last week, and I know he's kind of another bench guy, but he said. It really it's it spreads throughout the whole organization from top to bottom. They really care about each other. They're rooting for each other. And it makes me think it's like there's really no complaints right now. Like, why would you even risk bringing in someone at the deadline and kind of risk, you know, messing with this chemistry? Like you, you learned, alluded to that picture. I don't know if you guys saw the interview in NBC Sports Boston last night. Luke Cornett's getting interviewed. They all come over and they're all smiling with them. Luke Cornett I, says, I, I think, think this could be a rap group. I think we could be a group of rap singers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Like they're having fun. They care about each other. When they're on the court, they put away the, the personal accolades. They care about winning and they care about each other. And that's just so hard to find in today's NBA. So I think like in terms of you know what you can complain about with this team right now, really only the third quarters. Other than that, there's it's hard to envision a first half of the season that they could have that could have gone any better for them. You, you bring up Luke Cornett. I think that's a good jumping off point for our next serving and take play, which is the stay ready group. That would be the bench boys. Last year, they were the bus two boys. Bus but one they, boys. Oh, sorry. Bus one boys. Whatever. You know what? Last year's last year, Terp. You know, nobody cares. It is last actually. year. It's in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the fact check. Um, so in terms of the bench guys. You know, we obviously saw a healthy dose of them last night, and we've seen times where Missoula uh, throws one of those guys pretty early into his rotations in the first half of games, sometimes in the first quarter of games. Um, and so who, you know, I know Jordan Walsh is quickly becoming a, a fan favorite when he gets his minutes out there, 
But who are you guys looking at as maybe the X factor, um, you know, secret, whatever coming from the bench? I don't even know if you can call him a stay ready guy just for how much he's played. But we've talked about him before. Namias Keita is his a guy who I don't think anybody was like, oh, that's going to be stay ready to come off that two way contract. Yeah. Um, and has he even played in Maine at all uh, during during He's his time? He's played two games in Maine. Just okay, two so, out of their eight. So yeah. Not a ton. Yeah, so it's not even – it's really a one-way contract. That, that's that's not really a, a two-way. So I obviously – what he's done for, for this team has been pretty phenomenal given his, his track record before. And then Delano Banton, O'Shea Brissett, they're – they don't get a lot of playing time because of of their of the rest of the team, but two really talented young guys who I think will go on to have really successful careers. Maybe not in Boston, just given the trajectory of, of this franchise, but they're gonna. I think they they may play themselves into a bigger contract somewhere else. I think what's tough with this group is, you know, we get we get excited about these guys during this point in the season, and I, I had a similar feeling with Cornette last year where everybody was, you know, joking about the Cornette contest and these, these fun personalities that we get attached to in the regular season. And then you get into the playoffs and it's like, Oh yeah, this is a a seven man rotation, you know, and who's going to be a real difference maker. Who's going to be the seventh guy on that. Um, And I think it's tough because you have Al Horford basically playing the sixth man role. And once you're no longer in those back-to-backs, when you get into the playoffs, um, there's not going to be a lot of other room to go deep into your rotation. And so to me, like no surprise, I think if you have followed me for a couple of years, I, I do think that this is the playoff run where Peyton Pritchard should really make a difference. It, it's crazy to think back two years ago when, uh, Peyton was getting minutes in the finals and he was felt really young at the time then. And I know age wise, he's about the same as Tatum, but young for the league, having been at Oregon as long as he was. Um, he looks so much more mature as a player out there now. And he can give you the injection of a different pace when he's out there. And it's not just, hey, he's a sorry, like more of a, a one trick pony as somebody like a Sam Hauser is, you know, he's got a shot, but I think that his court vision has improved a lot. And so if he's somebody who is even, you know, seventh or eighth guy on the team, I think that that's, that's the kind of guy that I'd keep my eye on. And you mentioned that court vision, just a quick stat for you. He's third in assist to turnover ratio behind just Tyrese Halliburton and Tyus Jones, who are two starters. He's also first in the Eastern Conference on pl- of plus minus off the bench. So he's just been super impactful this year. Speaking of, of guys who are playing their way into different into bigger contracts, uh, looking towards the future, do you think someone like Pritchard can stay with the Celtics long term, or is is he gonna is is he gonna be too expensive based on on his play uh, this this year? I think it would be tough. Uh, it you know it depends. It's just so crowded. <laughs> it's always so crowded with the point guards on this team. You know they 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 do well with judging their point guards. And if you're going to keep Drew around for a little bit, which who knows with that contract situation, um, they they definitely negotiated themselves into a position with Peyton Pritchard where that's a contract that 
I could see them easily moving with him, especially if he shows performance in the playoffs and that that's when they're keeping the soon to be extremely expensive Jays together and trying to keep a uh, Porzingis or Drew Holiday uh, in some way going forward. Like, unfortunately to me, I think Peyton is maybe one of the first contracts that would be something to move. Yeah. And obviously that's, that's, that's that down the road, Justin, in terms of, of these, you know, the, the, the quote unquote stay ready group, who, who has sort of impressed you, you the most. I'm with you with Kata. I don't think anyone had the expectations that that he's kind of met this year coming in. He's only 24, got cut by the Sacramento Kings in favor of JaVel McGee, and has come in and has just been awesome on the offensive glass as well. Another one I look at is O'Shea Brissett. Uh, I know he's a little bit more of a rotation fixture, and I think he has a chance to really cement himself in there. Brad Stevens said he was looking for a big wing, and I think O'Shea Brissett fits that criteria. He's a great offensive rebounder. Can't really, you know, he was a good shooter before he came to Boston. Can't really shoot the ball right now, but he plays with so much energy and those kind of plays just provide a spark when the team needs him most. And I can see either one of them really making a game changing play late in the season when it really matters. Oh, uh, O'Shea with his energy and Kato is particularly on the offensive glass. Like last night he had four offensive rebounds. And the only thing with him is his following. The guy just cannot stop following. It's just, it's, it's such a problem for him. Yeah. Have y'all seen uh, O'Shea Brissett's his YouTube uh series no what is this (laughs) he he just uh, he just sort of records himself like on the road walking around boston it's it's actually pretty good i'm i'm always a sucker for those sort of things but his is actually pretty decent yeah okay we're gonna do yeah Are, are you like a casual youtube watcher like I, I know this is like a this is more of a terps generation and below type thing where you're like this is my these are my YouTube celebrities, and and I'm gonna sit here and watch this this YouTube bit here. Yeah, no, I I I do watch YouTube, but I don't have like uh, necessarily influencers I like or anything like that. But his is good. Oh, Brissette's he, he has. Do you have Do you have channels that you watch? Not necessarily. I'll watch like <laughs> Conan. His just on like, YouTube. The- yeah, like his from his, his podcast? podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's, okay. it's fun stuff. Okay. It's fun stuff. But like Brissette's cinematography is, uh, I don't know if it's him or if he has a guy. It's he's got a doc crew. Yeah, he, he's it's it's really and you get and you see like stuff on the team plane that uh, I don't think anybody else is is offering. So no, it's it's good stuff. Um, Interesting. It, I am interested to just uh, on this topic. Jordan Walsh last night, his first game in Boston proper is he sort of taking the spot taco fall hat had as the sort of folk hero for Celtics fans nobody can take taco spot <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not even kidding nobody like there's just not I don't think you can have the hype of of as tall as that man was and his name being taco <laughs> it's just it's it you can't replace it you can't replicate it. There's no, there's never going to be another taco for us. Incredible. I know Celtics fans in general are very knowledgeable about their team. I guess I was sort of surprised watching the game to see the reaction in TD Garden when he puts up the shot and everybody was on their, was on their feet, ready to see this thing go in. I mean, what, what, what makes him so special do y'all think? Justin, I'll toss this to you. 
Yeah, just the fact that he was their only draft pick this year. And I think people actually believe that he has the oper- like the chance to become a fixture in the rotation. He's only 19 years old. He's got a six foot, he's six foot seven. He's got a seven, two wingspan, really starting to figure out how to shoot the ball from deep too in Maine. But it wasn't even only when he got the shot up. Every time he touched the ball, the place went crazy last night. Every single time he touched the ball to a fact where they're yelling at like Banton and Lamar Stevens to give it to him. It, it was pretty funny. But I think it's just the fact that they're really confident in the fact of that he can develop into a key fixture in this rotation. Like I said, he's only 19 years old. So, yeah. you know, he has all the physical attributes with his frame and his wingspan, and he's a great defender. So there is reason to be excited with him, especially the way he's been playing in Maine. Yeah, I, I do also think at least part of it is his completely shaven face, including the eyebrows. It, it It's 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 a thing. And I, it's I think, a, it's I think, a look. Yeah, people like it. People like it. And I think they uh he's it's it's cool to see someone that young get uh get that much love uh from from the fans here in Boston. I think it should be a challenge in Boston. Like the Jordan Walsh challenge. You know, like if you lose your oh. fantasy league or something, you have to shave your entire face, including your eyebrows. I I, I can guarantee you when we get into playoffs when they start panning into the crowd, there's going to be some bald guys who have shaved their eyebrows and have like, Oh, they, they find a, a Walsh Jersey or they make a Walsh Jersey. They have the Walsh main Celtics Jersey or something. It's it's going to be a thing. Then you 100%. have to like you put to Vaseline all over your face when you go outside because you're going to yeah. just be like open to every element. I didn't know. Uh, hold on. We're, we're from Texas. I, I didn't, I don't think I knew well, that. Let me see. Yeah, he is from Texas. Let's see. I can pull it up for you. Well, him. okay. While Justin looks that up, I think that this is the perfect time to go to our final uh, serving on our take flight, which is checking in on Esteban because he's he's just had a rough go this week, uh, starting with the, the overall state of the Spurs. And I know that Popovich talked last night about he's not worried about them not winning 47 games this season, and that's not who they are. And, you know, Wemby's coming along and doing what he's supposed to do. But then at the same time, you get slapped with the report that uh, Mike McCarthy is going back to the Cowboys after uh, (laughs) what I found to be a completely hysterical and entertaining playoff choke job. So Esteban, which one is worse? And just generally, how are you feeling? How are your Texas uh, brethren doing? Uh, uh, first I, I, I did look it up, Justin. He's from Dallas. Shout out, shout out the whole Dallas County, triple D, um, to Jordan Walsh. Uh, how am I doing? Thank you for this platform. I have never been as disappointed in, I think my almost 30 years of life, uh, in a singular sports performance as I was on Sunday, unfortunately, Cowboys versus Packers. I understand why Mike McCarthy is coming back. And then listen, I don't, I don't like being a sports cynic. I, as much as I watch these things, as I care about these things, I think Mike McCarthy knows a lot more about football than I do. They have the talents. So I will forever be optimistic and look, they're not the giants. They're not Carolina. There's reason to be hopeful. They're not, they're not the even Patriots. Yeah, the, even even the Patriots this this season going in you know Gerard Mayo that's I after being at his press conference yesterday I think is a great hire. But Agreed. a lot there's a lot to work there, a lot to work on there and and it it is I don't think it's realistic just to be like oh it's going to be a playoff team it's going to take work. 
But like a team like Dallas has the the pieces to put it all together. They just need to put it all together. And even like with the Spurs, uh, I re- even when they drafted Wimbenyama, they got that first overall pick. I knew this was going to be a long haul sort of thing. This is not going to be, oh, they're going to be back to the finals. And quite frankly, too, I have been alive. I don't remember when they won in 99, but I can remember 03, 05. Uh, 2014 2007 so i have been incredibly just blessed as a fan to remember that i can't i can't say honestly that it's it's something i expect or feel like spurs fans deserve to 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 have another championship team it would be great but i i'm happy and Wimbenyama is just so fun and again they're they're a, a, a fun bad team they seem to have the chemistry down the basketball part they're they're working on so it's a rough week it's a rough <laughs> week little but... basketball part right yeah I can't yeah believe you, guys, you guys are bringing back mike McCarthy. <laughs> i yeah that that one again Look, he, he's he's got 12 wins a season so it's it's yeah. but but for all the everything that jerry said before and yeah. after that game like that is just a wild way to go about business yeah, with, with, and I know that that's Jerry. That's his style. Yeah. But like, if I'm Mike McCarthy, I guess I'm on one hand like kissing the ground that I get to mm-hmm. come back and coach the team again. On the other hand, I'm like, <laughs> you really hung me out there to dry, man. Like that is tough. Your boss. Yeah. Two two things I will say. Tom Brady had this interesting quote. I think it was from earlier this week or maybe last week, where he was talking about the coaching continuity how that was an advantage because when they would change coach, when other teams would change coaches to try to catch up with the Patriots, they'd start from square one and the Patriots would just keep rolling. And because of their success, other teams would change coaches and it just became a self-fulfilling cycle where the Patriots were successful in part because the other teams were trying to catch up coaching wise. So I understand trying to keep the continuity uh, when there was some success there to how, how I am, I don't know if y'all share this. I am personally very happy that not because of him, but that Belichick didn't go to Dallas only because the fiasco that would have been would have been unlike anything I think we've seen in sports before. Because, look, I've been around the Boston sports media block for a little while. Nothing compares to the Dallas Cowboys, not the Dallas, but the Dallas Cowboys sports media carnival that 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 would have been uh i think i would have lost my mind see you're talking as a fan i there a little bit i i would have loved the content (laughs) like i'm i'm very sad that we're not getting that that that's off the table but who knows maybe it'll be belichick to philly it's looking like atlanta he's got a second interview which i don't don't really know what you have to interview him twice for (laughs) like you didn't find out in the first interview maybe it's you pitching him um before we go because we are running a little long here uh justin can you give us at least one stat that we can chew on uh as we look towards the nuggets yeah so i i got a bunch here so i'm gonna go with this one so boston 17 wins against 500 or better teams this year is tied with the minnesota timberwolves for most in the nba on the other side though they are 15 and two against sub 500 teams. So they're doing it to get their dominance is against both teams. Okay. So they're crushing the really bad teams like Esteban Spurs. 
but yes. they're they're you just you said they were just over 500 no there are 17 wins against oh against 500 so teams. 17 so, they're, so the they're, stat is okay i got that wrong so the stat is they're beating everyone <laughs> right exactly yeah <laughs> um, not not bad not bad against anyone yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, it's easy to look at some of the teams that immediately jump out that you have lost to, like the the early loss to Minnesota, right. um, the overtime loss to OKC. Those are the ones that jump out when you're looking at the real cream of the crop. Um, so I, I, it's it's like anything that you're trying to find with this team so far, it feels like it's nitpicking. So I don't want to be annoying about it and and say the yeah buts. Um, it does put you in a good position looking at, uh, somebody like the nuggets on Friday and looking way ahead to the playoffs, but it's, it's definitely a departure from last year to see them handling the teams who are not as much in their tier of the league and 15 and two, um, incredibly impressive. No, I, I agree. And, and, uh, yeah, we, we've talked about it before, but beat the big teams, but also beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And that seems like that's what they're doing this year. Okay. Well, that is this week of Slam. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we come to you guys once a week on the Odyssey app or wherever you else you get your podcasts. Uh, YouTube, if you're watching all the various channels like Esteban, I think he watches the guys who go in and eventually try to fight boxers. I think he's not telling us. <laughs> he spends like four hours a day on YouTube just watching weird videos of people hurting themselves. But we'll have to check in on that next time. Uh, <laughs> thanks for joining me, guys.